0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: He is just an
2: obsessive goal scorer. Well, they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And- and the- I've
3: got a problem with soccer to be fair. Football.
2: Oh, what, start.
3: Oh, what they can guarantee to you is that they
1: work to keep everything single. Let's get into it today. We have an absolutely unbelievable show for you. We're obviously discussing what happened this weekend all across Europe's top five leagues. We'll have a little dip into a bit of MLS action as well. As I can see, Mike's got his top on right there, but Chelsea losing to Brighton, of course on Potter's return. Of course it would inevitably happen. Villa, sorry JJ, they got absolutely hammered by Newcastle, Liverpool shocked by Leeds United, potentially saving Jesse Mars's job. And then Napoli, a hat trick for Osman, which was incredible Mm. to watch. Plus, so much more coming your way in the house today. We got Jonathan Johnson and Michael LaHood, JJ, back from Destination Brooklyn, back on House of <laughs> Champions. How you doing, my friend? Yeah, doing very well.
3: Thanks. Gotten over the jet lag and uh, no, looking forward to, to to getting back into the swing of things on the show uh, at a distance. But uh, I will say it was fantastic to to do it with you guys in person. Obviously devastated that that Mike couldn't be there, especially as, as I have bone to pick with him after choosing Marseille as his French mm-hmm. team, which I did hear him uh, mention at the beginning of the the last <laughs> show before this weekend's games. But uh, no, it was, a, it was a fantastic
1: experience and uh, fingers crossed that there'll be many more like it to come. We look forward to get into that in a little bit of detail later on in the show. But before we get there, Michael Hood, you're uh, representing
2: your team today. I can see that jersey on you. Looking pretty good. Ah, oh, Man, game day. It's game day, game day, game day all across the world and especially here in the States. You know it. I know it. MLS Cup playoffs, Western Conference final, Eastern Conference final. Both of our respective teams in it cannot wait. But first, business, House of Champions.
1: Yeah well, House of Champions, of course, and, and realistically, there is a champion in house already because NYCFC won it last year still champions technically, you know what I mean? going into the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference final today. But we'll discuss that a little bit later on. I'm looking forward to it. I can see you dressed up there, and I didn't think you know I, I'd leave you alone, so I brought myself <laughs> a, brought myself a little blue here, you know, to Ooh. make it a little bit more it's MLS Cup preview, I see. I'm ready to go, baby. All right, cracking weekend. I mean, Europe did not disappoint this weekend. Some crazy results. Very difficult if you're a better sports better out there to get predictions right. What was your craziest or most fantastic or uh, whatever moment? It could be a goal, a game, a performance, a speech. It could be a moment from the weekend, JJ, that stood out to you that really you just can't stop thinking about. Well, you
3: see, so I'm already going to start to get payback on Mike for <laughs> not following me down the right route in uh, oh, picking his French football team. So I'm going to go for Kevin Gamero's third minute of injury time Great equalizer goal. for Strasbourg yeah. against Marseille. Fantastic finish on the volley, but it's made even more sweeter by the fact that Gamero is obviously an ex PSG player, PSG mm-hmm. fan. Against Marseille, and you know, obviously, a huge moment for him as well. Difficult season for Strasbourg, So phenomenal stuff, and you know, obviously, I, I, I couldn't wait to to, to give Mike a <laughs> ribbing in the uh, in the WhatsApp group
2: of Ho- uh, House of Champions. Like- ah, JJ, I, I know you're 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 just you're salty about the Villa match. You didn't have to give the low blow with my newfound team, Ale <laughs> But I'm gonna move aside from that, and I'm gonna go in Serie A. The game is going on right now, Lazio versus. But if you look at the table, Lazio coming out like a bat out of hell. Second place in Serie A so far. Impressive. And they're doing it without their leading goal scorer, Chiro Immobile. Immobile, Immobile. And it's behind some reinforcements. Just their front lines moving. Very fluid. Malinkovic Savage. When is this guy going to leave? I'm going to go with them and also Inter Milan crisis, what crisis? They seem to be steamrolling Champions League success and also they're getting more depth. Lukaku back back on the score sheet with again and uh, against Pilsen and then back in the flow, Dzeko scoring, Correa with a worldie. Barella seems to be reignited and in goal scoring form. So a lot of rather lot of really good storylines in Syria.
1: I hate to burst your bubble here, but Salernitana just just equalizes 1-1 one, one now, Mike. I'm, I'm the kiss a death. Antonio you know? Candreva just equalized <laughs> to make it 1-1. One, one. Uh, a familiar face to Lazio fans out there. I'm going to go for Jesse Marsh this weekend. His hmm. celebration, obviously, when you get the winning goal like that, he was in the hottest of all hot seats in the Premier League. And to see his celebration as an American, watching an American do well in the Premier League, it's important. And when an American doesn't do well, you want them to find success in some way to try and get themselves out of trouble. I think uh, that goal and that victory for Legion United potentially save Jesse his job between now and the end of the year and he's got to try and get some more victories and it certainly is not going to be easy because uh, their schedule is a little bit rough let's get into the Premier League discussion we'll start at the game that just finished right now Manchester United against West Ham United um, we're going to start with you Mike because obviously yeah. you're a United fan Um it, it was a good game Marcus Rashford getting his goal is 100th goal for Manchester United the 22nd player ever to score 100 goal for Manchester United if I'm not mistaken it was the first one since Wayne Rooney to score 100 goals for united
2: back in 2009 yeah it it was i said before in the weekend preview that if i saw cristiano ronaldo on the on the field at all or in the lineup i'd be boycotting i'm still booking my flight to manchester because i still have a bone to pick with tin hog don't play this guy i'm done i'm done i'm done with this guy i'm done i'm over it the game's passing him by he just he doesn't have it anymore and i'm saying that ahead of a world cup against one of the, uh, about one of the greatest players to ever play the game in Ronaldo. just He wants to score. It's still all about him, and it didn't cost the team. It could have given the chances that they had. They, this was a 1-0 game. It should have been way more. Marcus Rashford looks to be the real deal again this season. Playing on the left-hand side, it shows flexibility that he has. He was playing as a lead striker prior to this game, and now when he plays on the left, he can make those slashing runs. The positive about Cristiano Ronaldo is his movement in behind. He's so clever with this movement. Now that opens up space for Rashford, Bruno Fernandes, Christian Erickson to operate underneath. In the first half, one of my standout players who didn't have the best second halves, Casemiro, This guy is one of the most underrated passers in this Manchester United team. You don't get to see that when he plays for Real Madrid or Brazil, but I do remember seeing his passing range when he was at FC Porto before going back to Real Madrid. The better he gets, the better this United team gets. But another another clean sheet for United and up the league table.
3: Yeah. And I think that's important, you know, for Eric Ten Hag to to keep this momentum going, uh, you know, as he continues to to attempt this, uh, this Manchester United revolution, obviously another important step in that will be uh, the final game in the, the Europa League group as well and how that shakes out. But I actually have a question for you, Mike, Uh, Hmm. United related, obviously this was the first match with David De Gea in goal since he was left out of that provisional Spanish roster, which included about 60 players and he still couldn't get into it. Now, Is that a justified decision from Luis Enrique, Uh, like in your opinion, uh, as somebody who obviously watches De Gea week in, week out? Do you feel that Spain can do without his experience, his ability? Because, you know, at the end of the day, sure, De Gea has been sort of in up and down form over the last couple of years, but he's not a poor goalkeeper by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Well, if you look at the last major tournament or the last World Cup that he was in, he didn't have his best moment or moments. Didn't seem like he had confidence. And if you're Luis Enrique, maybe you think, you know what, it's time to give someone else a chance. And i look at a goalkeeper who was in fine form, didn't look like it over the weekend against Brighton. We'll talk about the Chelsea-Brighton match shortly, I'm sure. But why not give Kepa a chance? Kepa's been informed for Chelsea, maybe younger goalkeeper. It's time for them to step up. I still think it's a harsh decision to leave a player of De Gea's quality because in a World Cup roster, yes, you can have youth, but you need experience to flank and surround and support youth.
1: All right, quick shout-out to a few people who are in the chats already there. Matt Osman, Arsenal are winning the league. LAFC all the way. Sorry, Mike says Omar Matt Osman again. Yes, Omar, he believes that LAFC are going to win it. Sorry, Mike, once again. Kvaradona, he also says it. And yo, what up, SSB28? What up to you too, man? Keep those comments coming. We're discussing the Premier League action. We're discussing all across Europe's top five leagues. Please let us know what your feeling was this weekend. Uh, SSB28 just said, damn, Manchester United dodged a bullet at the end. Wow, great. And I must admit this one, as you're just talking about right now, De Gea at the end in that second half. Wow, he made a save right at the death of that game that was sensational. World-class. I actually had. I thought he had a, a brilliant game today, all around it here. And maybe JJ, just maybe he's a little bit angry about that decision about being left out the national mm. team provisional roster. I mean, that is frustrating for a goalkeeper of his experience. But I just, I want to say this though. Maybe you disagree with me, JJ, but. I had a feeling this was coming. Manchester Mm. United, all the talk, the negativity, the ten hag, and all the BS that comes around Manchester United. Cristiano Ronaldo, the negativity. United struggling to get in the top four, the negativity. It doesn't help when you're De Gea trying to keep the club and push the club further up. I think his performances over the last two or three years have been pretty good. Sure, he's made mistakes, but United defensively have been weaker than they have been um, certainly in their success years. However... I still think that performance today was something pretty personal to him individually. I thought it was outstanding. And he's one of the reasons why Manchester United picked up three points, JJ.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, I do think that uh, De Gea's form has not necessarily ble- been sort of bad enough to, to to sort of justify him being left out of the international setup ahead of the World Cup. But also, like you, I'm not totally surprised either. I mean, he he seems to be quite an easy target at this moment in time, both when discussing United's struggles for form, uh, you know, and sort of this transitional phase that, that Spain find themselves going through. But also, you know, perhaps it was a way of Luis Enrique maybe challenging De Gea to show him some brilliant form between now and the end of the the, the, the club games and when the, the world cup squad has to be finalized. So if there does happen to be a spot that opens up, you know, maybe De Gea can make a late uh you know reappearance in it. But uh you know I do I do feel it's harsh. I mean I, I throw my mind back to uh, you know, some of the, the best performances of, uh, of De Gea, especially sort of when United made that run to the Europa League final, you know, he made some really, really critical saves uh, in that run. So I wouldn't say that he's somebody who's been, you know, bent out of shape and really out of form for a long period of time. I just feel like, you know, he's quite an easy target to snipe at because his situation at club level for the last couple of years has now been sort of,
1: you know, less than, uh, less than secure, shall we say. Great comments coming in from Matt. He says that Luis Enrique also closed the door on Ramos, and he's got no respect for the old guard. And maybe to Mike's point right there, they're going a lot younger. Sergio
3: Ramos, Sergio Ramos, who I might add has just set a new record with PSG: thirty-first appearances for PSG unbeaten. That's a brand mm. new club record, overtaking high the uh, the legendary former captain of PSG. So you know, Ramos, I think still still has something to offer. You know, and I don't, I to, to Mike's point, I don't think you can discount. The kind of experience that guys like Tejer no. and Ramos yeah. bring to the group, despite the fact that, yeah, you might not, if you're Luis Enrique, see them as nailed on starters.
1: Yeah, well, when you're going into a big tournament, you would imagine that the experienced players are going to be something that you rely on a lot heavier. And sometimes when you're in these big tournaments, you regret that you didn't bring those experienced players with you. I don't think Luis Enrique can afford to do that. I think he's going to have to take some experience. So uh, lovely point coming in from Omar. He said, it's hard to imagine three Spanish goalkeepers clear ahead of David De Gea. And that's Mm. another fantastic point. Uh, We've been doing something new, JJ, while you've been gone. Um, It's called Shorts. And it's a new idea that I've come up with, uh, producer Dez. Um, I'm going to give you a question and I want an answer. Yes, no, and a why. Yes or a no and a why within 20 seconds, JJ. So mm. the question to you I'm going to ask you is, will Eric Ten Hag get Manchester United in the top four during his time at the club?
3: Yes. Uh, I think he's already working well on his way to doing that. Uh, and I expect him to continue that positive trajectory. Mike?
2: Yes, and this season. Why the Chelsea performance? The fact that they went to Stamford Bridge, put in a performance like that, they're getting clean sheets. They're Even though you're still waiting for that Tottenham-esque performance to be a regular thing, the new players are gelling. Casemiro's in the team. I like this United team. And of course, I'm biased. So absolutely, yes.
1: Yeah, I'm with you as well. I think he absolutely gets them at some stage into the top four and I believe it will be this season as well. However, it is going to be an absolute bloodbath trying to get into the top four at the end of the season. If you include also the World Cup and how crazy it's going to be to keep players healthy, uh, to keep players fit all the way through that Christmas period, because you're coming back from a World Cup. And I think if I'm not mistaken, JJ, it's Boxing Day. They go straight back into action. It's absolutely ridiculous what's been asked of these players, but I do believe that Manchester United do get in the top four while Eric Ten Hag is in charge and potentially. Start to see him spending some money as well. Quick comment coming in before we get out of here. No days off in the Premier League this season. Absolutely not. Let's move on to Arsenal. They had an emphatic victory over Nottingham Forest. It was a little bit close in the first half. Uh, Martinelli getting the opening goal. Four goals, two assists in his last, in his sixth home league game, should I say, for Arsenal this season. Assisted by Saka, who was later taken off with an injury. Saka's having a very good season. Obviously, unfortunate to see him go down. Reese Nelson came off the bench for him. Uh, got two goals and an assist in the second period. It was brilliant for him. Thomas Partey scored an absolute bang before Martin Odegaard rounded things off nicely. JJ, Arsenal uh, just flying high right now. This was a convincing performance against a, a team that obviously showed that they do have something to offer against Liverpool last match day, but convincing from Arsenal once again, showing why the top of the league.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was important for Arsenal to get that goal quite early on, you know, to really sort of quell the confidence, uh, you know, that we saw uh, for Forest after they beat Liverpool. I think it was one of those risky fixtures for Arsenal where the Forest they were coming up against is not the same Forest that you, they would have seen them come up against, say, a month ago when they were in really, really bad form. So, you know, I think this was the, the I mean, it really, there, there was a period where Forrest were, you know, they were in it, they were only one goal down, uh, you know, and if they get the equaliser, perhaps that changes the, you know, changes the match. But instead of sort of shying away after Saka was forced off, uh, you know, Arsenal really came through, uh, you know, in, in impressive form and uh, ended up blowing Forrest away. So, you know, I think it's, um, you know, Arsenal winning with the kind of style that they need to at this moment in time, because this is a real moment for them to 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 capitalise. Uh, you know, on uh, their their advantage in this title race. You know, there's a bit of uncertainty yeah. at Manchester City mm-hmm. at, the, at the moment, giving, given Haaland's uh, injury and the timeout that it's, it's going to take before he's fit again and back on the pitch. Uh, you know, and Arsenal are just in this incredible run of form at this moment in time. So, you know, I think... Mikel Arteta's men really need to ride this form for for all that it's worth, because we still don't know sort of what the impact uh, of the World Cup is going to be on uh, on a lot of these teams, uh, and you know sort of what uh, state all of these squads are in uh, facing that second half of the season.
2: What I love about Arsenal right now that makes him so dangerous is the Emirates is becoming a fortress. Getting early goals makes that place a place that you don't want to go the fear factor is being instilled in opposing teams that come in thinking ah oh, crap here we go again they got the early goal and the threats are coming from so many different players goals are coming from midfield you can't underestimate and underemphasize the importance of Granit Xhaka and Thomas Partey to this young Arsenal team Thomas Partey getting goals from outside the box looks like the Thomas Partey that they paid the big money for from Atletico Madrid. And Gabriel Jesus, he did get an assist on the Reese Nelson goal when he came in off the bench at halftime. His hold-up play. Two, two is yeah. But the, the first one in particular is what I liked the most. His hold-up play, his ability, if he's not going to score the goals, he can still contribute. He's so vital to being the focal point of their attack. It allows their creative players underneath to function.
1: Yeah, his assists are insane. If you go look at his his statistics over this season and also into last season, his assists are just absolutely fantastic. So he puts up goals and assists. I've got a few statistics to throw your way as well. Arsenal have won a Premier League home match by five plus goals for the 19th time with each of the previous 18 instances coming under Arsene Wenger, believe it or not. He was (laughs) the only one to have them winning five-plus goals every time. And as you mentioned, Arsenal's home record, they have won wins across the board, scored 23 goals, uh, conceded only seven goals. They've got three clean sheets as well since the start of the season across all competitions. Um, But I'm just, I guess, JJ, more than anything, I'd be a little bit concerned about Saka's injury. I mean, how much is that going to affect Arsenal? It didn't seem to affect them in the second half, but they got Chelsea coming up next. They got Wolves the week after that before we head to the World Cup.
3: No, it didn't affect them in the second half, but obviously, uh, you know, it is a concern, and you know they're going to need to sort of wrap him in cotton wool to an extent over the next couple of weeks because he is he's crucial to their good form, uh, and obviously, you know, sort of selfishly as a, as an Englishman from the international point of view as well, you're thinking, you know, World Cup just around the corner, to lose somebody of his quality, uh, you know, both at, both for club and country, could be a, a huge detrimental blow. But I think as well, he, as as good as he is and, and obviously he is fantastic and a really integral part of this team at the moment, there is a real togetherness within the group that I think, uh, you know, is, is, is really, really impressive. I mean, it was a reaction as well. Let's not forget, you know, Arsenal yep. being beaten by PSV Eindhoven in midweek in Europe. Uh, you know, it's a reaction to a little bit of adversity, perhaps, you know, maybe the first kind of adversity we've seen, uh, you know, them them suffer this season. Uh, you know, and I think it was a nice touch as well, which kind of goes to illustrate my points about the togetherness of the group that they remembered, Pab, Maria as well who you know unfortunately was the victim of that stabbing incident uh, during the week Uh, it just feels like there's a so much positivity going on in and around Arsenal at this moment in time that despite the fact that they won't want to lose somebody like Saka you know they it does feel like they're better set to sort of absorb any losses uh, in terms of personnel than they would have been say I don't know uh,
1: 12 to 18 months ago. Hmm. yeah there's certainly a togetherness within this group and you can see every time they score a goal they come together and they did that same pulling out the shirt for pablo maria as well uh thomas Partey is key to both arsenal and ghana says ilias abs uh, absolutely agree with that one right there what a fantastic goal he scored mike now i want to just touch upon him real quickly before we move on um but you mentioned it already that midfield area for arsenal They're so explosive. They're so strong. They're so competitive. And injuries are going to be a key factor here, obviously, making sure you keep your players fit. But what about the World Cup? I mean, you need these players to obviously go to the World Cup perform. But if they get
2: knocked out early in the World Cup, it might not be a bad thing for Arsenal. (laughs) Especially a player who's so vital for Ghana like Thomas Partey. He's going to have to cover a ton of ground because of how Ghana play, how expansive they can be. And Ghana is a team that wants to hit you on the counter, sit low. Be explosive on the counter. He has a bit more freedom to get forward. Mikel Arteta is going to be one of the happiest managers if all his Arsenal players in their World Cup teams get knocked out early because they are so dependent on that 11. Reese Nelson coming off the bench to get a goal, get an immediate reaction, it shows him that he's got more depth than he might think. Remember, Reese Nelson played for Feyenoord last season who made the Conference Europa Conference League final against Rome Roma so he does have goals and he does have quality in his locker but for Thomas Partey, that guy just his ability to both sit destroy a midfield he's a better passer than people give him credit for making more forward passes this season than I've seen him ever play in his career professional career and now he's getting goals I mean this guy is becoming more and more of a complete midfielder
1: excuse me I just want to touch upon the injuries one more time. Obviously, we saw the injury to Saka and everyone's holding their breath just for a split second. But we saw Manchester City get the win over Leicester City thanks to Kevin De Bruyne's wonder strike into the top bin. Um, But no Erling Haaland in that game, JJ. I mean, does that affect a title race when you have injuries to key players? I mean, I don't think there's a bigger player in the Premier League right now than Erling Haaland.
3: No, absolutely. I think it affects it. And I think something that's really interesting to, to, to see as well over the last uh, week or so, I mean, especially while we were at uh, Destination Brooklyn, you know, when you're talking to Arsenal fans, it's almost like while they're enjoying watching their team be in really good form, they're also keeping an eye on what's happening with Manchester City. Uh, you know, and it's almost kind of like Erling Haaland injury watch at the moment because there is a feeling that sort of you take Haaland out of that City team, suddenly there is a chance that they might drop points in that is absolutely vital for us in this title race to take advantage of any potential slip-ups. You know, because we've seen City sort of was grinding out some of their results recently in the Premier League, especially since Haaland's become unavailable. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne coming up big for them uh, over the weekend. Fantastic strike. But, uh, you know, it does kind of feel like City might come unstuck at some point if, uh, you know, they continue to be missing Haaland in the next couple of weeks because Guardiola came out after that game, after that win over Leicester uh, and admitted that, you know, he could be out for, say, another week or so. So it is I I think it is influential, uh, you know, in in dictating sort of the the next turn in this title race. Mm
2: -hmm. If you're Arsenal, you have to be careful because for as much as you're keeping one eye on that, it means nothing if you don't get your results. That's why a match like this was pivotal. The more you can get results, the pressure on City to get Holland back, the uncertainty. Remember, Manchester City last year didn't have an out-and-out striker, but they did have Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling. Those two players, were they're not there anymore. Obviously, Arsenal weeping, the benefits of that. And during the second half of the season, Jesus and Sterling went in rich goal-scoring form. They couldn't stop scoring. Jesus forced himself back into the 11 for the Champions League run-in. So if you're Pep Guardiola, you can't really rely on saying, OK, well, we were here before because those two key players aren't there anymore.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Let's move on to JJ's team, Aston Villa. Uh, should we, JJ, or should we just move faster?
3: <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those weird ones because obviously you have to do the, the post mortem on what was a really brutal defeat against Newcastle, but also at the same time, you know, you kind of have that optimism now looking forward to, to Unai Emery taking charge on Tuesday, I believe it is. Uh, and, you know, massive first game for him you know a challenge of going up against Manchester United especially when Newcastle kind of laid bare everything that is inadequate about this Villa side at the moment and the other thing that makes sort of that comparison between Newcastle and Villa so so interesting is Newcastle were in a similar situation to Villa 12 months ago uh, yeah. they went for Unai Emery Emery didn't take that job Eddie Howe comes in now look mm. where Newcastle are now I'm not saying that you know, Unai Emery could come in and, and do exactly the same thing with Villa, but it's hard to picture. You know, given everything we know about Unai Emery and what he's done and throughout his career, hard to picture Villa actually getting worse. And I, I really, really hope that I'm not having these kit, these uh, this video like clipped up in a couple of months' time when Villa haven't won a game or haven't scored a goal under Unai Emery. I really hope that's not the case. But it's hard to imagine that things can actually maybe get worse for Villa under Emery because when he comes in he comes in with a plan with just mm. things that were completely lacking uh, against Newcastle over the weekend you know obviously it was a, a real shame to see Emi Martinez go down a bit of brilliance as well from Almiron but you know Villa were just bang average in so many ways as well defensively awful uh, you know it, it's the sort of things you know structurally tactically in terms of like the game plan things that Emery absolutely obsesses over so I cannot imagine that Villa will look uh, you know so so vulnerable so defenseless so useless for want of a better word uh, you know once he's had a couple of weeks to get his teeth into them I do worry a little bit going up against United so early on but also at the same time I think throwing Emery in at the deep end is a good thing he'll be hungry to prove himself uh, and also I think as well it gets Villa ready for the really important games. Now, what is Villa's ambition this season, trying to get themselves back into Europe? Laughable when you look at the Premier League table, but Villa are still alive in two domestic cups. Emery is a specialist in cup competitions, Mm. and I really think that Villa have to target at least one of those two domestic cups. Obviously, we don't know who will play in the FA Cup just yet, but we do know we're up against United, and I'd fancy us perhaps more in a cup fixture than in a league game uh, You know, to
1: be able to get something there. Aston Villa side is completely done. We don't need to talk anymore about them. Let's turn our attention to Newcastle. It was a a 4-0 convincing victory. Callum Wilson scores a double, six goals this season in the Premier League. Joel Linton scores his first goal in the Premier League. And Almiron, we talked about him in the the preview to the weekend, Mike. Uh, He scored an absolute banger, another Mm. top-class performance. But all round, this is a team right now that is... desperately trying to get into the top four, but that performance and the way that Newcastle have been playing when you've got red-hot players, including Callum Wilson right now, that's top four material, right?
2: To get top four, you need two things. One, a solid back line and also an incredible goal scorer or a striker, midfielder, whoever it is, that is in the richest goal-scoring form of their life. Callum Wilson is just that. He could have had a hat-trick. He could have had four goals on the day. He had that, it was two goals. And then he had one where he clanged one with the header off the bar. I mean, I, when I was watching this, I was looking on the monitor thinking, tell me Gareth Southgate is going to take him to Qatar. And thank God I saw Southgate in attendance. If not, I have two flights I was going to make. One to Southgate's house and one to Manchester to Carrington to talk with Ten Hogg about Ronaldo. Last time I mentioned Ronaldo's name because I'm still pissed about that. Back to Newcastle, though. This is a team that, you talk about togetherness, this is a team that, Arrives off doing the work defensively. They're high press. They can sit in a low block and hit you on the counter, or they can step it up with a high line and force turnovers. Their just their their willingness to, to defend on as, as a unit, excuse me, and then yep. attack as a team is incredible and has to be lauded. This is the Eddie Howe way. Everyone contributes and everyone reaps the benefits and rewards. Another player that I want to give a shout out to, Kieran Trippia. This guy has to be another shout out and mention for the England squad. I like him at right back. I would argue that he's had a better season so far than Kyle Walker.
1: Yeah, it's a great point right there. But JJ, I want to touch upon the comment that just came across our screens right there. Sven Botman has been huge for Newcastle's defense. I mean, you know him well enough, obviously, watching him closely. This guy is an absolute fixture in my fantasy team, and he never disappoints. The way Newcastle are defending, it almost seems perfect fit for him to be at Newcastle.
3: Yeah, he's at a great price in fantasy football as well. I was like you; I, I brought him in early in the season. I've been reaping the benefits ever since. I mean, there was no doubt that Botman was going to be a really good pickup for whichever club managed to get their their hands on him. It looked like it would be AC Milan at one point, but it's Newcastle who ended up winning that race, uh, and all the better for them. Really, you know, they have really, uh, you know, looked much much more solid uh, in defence uh, since his addition. Uh, you know, and I think as well, he is sort of ironing out some of the the more questionable aspects of his game as he goes. Uh, that was something that I think was was always uh, going to happen once he stepped up uh, a level but the other thing that I'd say is I don't think it's necessarily only down to the addition of somebody like a botman I think it's a number of additions who have been added since last January Bruno Guimaraes as well is another one I just I mean I think he is a real Rolls-Royce of a midfielder fantastic player and I think the two of them uh, along with uh, Joe Linton who's in in fantastic form as well Almiron a, you know reborn uh Wilson as well as uh, as Mike was saying you know it's a real it's a real team effort it's uh it's really impressive to see what Eddie Howe has managed to do and turn this group around uh you know in the last uh 12 months and yes you know Botman has added a lot towards that defensive uh solidity but I also think that there have been other sort of not necessarily unsung heroes but uh, it's difficult to pick out just one name to sort of attribute that uh that successful turnaround for Newcastle to.
1: All right, before we head to break, it leads me to yes, no, why? In 20 seconds, Michael Hood, I think you've already answered it. Should Callum Wilson be in the England squad for the World Cup?
2: Three goals in his last two Premier League games, six on the season. Yes, no, why? Hell yes. And because it gives diff- England a different dimension, you have the possibility of playing two strikers who are going to play that back three, maybe a 3-5-2 for Gareth Southgate. JJ.
3: For me, it's a yes. Uh, The only question mark about him is his fitness. And if
1: he's fit and in form, which he is now, he has to go. For me, it's a yes as well. And I'll tell you why he's a kind of a different striker than uh, that they have. He's an old school mentality. He's willing to fight. And of course, getting an opportunity at a World Cup. Can you imagine the intensity that someone like him would bring? I think he's a very good finisher, finisher as well, which England are desperately going to need in the latter stages of the competition. So it's a yes for all three of us heading to the World Cup for Callum Wilson. All right, let's take a quick break. More to come from us when we return. We'll talk the big three shock results for the weekend. Chelsea, Liverpool and Atletico Madrid. House of Champions. We'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to House of Champions. If you're looking for a month free Paramount Plus action, you've come to the right place. Yes, P Plus. They have a one month free trial offer code UEFA twenty two. Scan the QR code in the top corner of your screen, or follow the link in the description to get one month free. Matchday six is right around the corner, but so much more to be offered on Paramount Plus, including some incredible Serie A action as well. Let's get back to the Premier League. Liverpool against Leeds at the weekend. It's Ian Joy alongside Jonathan Johnson. And Michael LaHood, you're watching House of Champions. Make sure you're dropping your comments. The chat's been brilliant. The banter's great. But it's going to get a little bit more heated as we discuss. Leeds United's victory against Liverpool. Rodrigo, early goal. Shocking mistake from the Reds. Gomez and Allison just a mix of communications, gave them a four-minute lead. Then Mo Salah's 11th goal of the season tied things up before in the 89th minute, Somerville got the winning goal. Here's a statistic for you. Leeds have their first win at Anfield since April 2001. Hmm. Yes, that was six months before Somerville was born. Believe it or not, uh, big big win here, Mike uh, for Leeds United. Big win for Jesse Marsh in particular. Obviously,
2: it's the American. I wish Nigel was on the show because Nigel was hammering him. At the
1: you. No, review. you don't. Nobody, nobody needs that. Ian
2: was I just, saying how
3: great. Ian was saying how great the banter is in the chat, and that's because Nigel's
2: not here. We got I more just, viewers. Ah, oh, I know, I know, but I just wanted to hammer him. I just wanted to hammer him. The scarf is on the back wall for a reason. My dad's actually uh, a big Leeds fan, so that's why. So, shout out to him. I why know why is he a be... Leeds
1: fan? No, tell us why he's a Leeds fan.
2: Uh, because my grandpa was a big Liverpool fan, Leeds Liverpool in the 70s. That's why,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't yeah, yeah, be a yeah, Liverpool yeah. fan,
2: but th- th- this was this was a match that the, the hero of the match was Melier. That was the difference between Liverpool Brilliant. smashing Leeds and Leeds being in the game to get the winner at the end. I thought he had his best game ever in a lead shirt and the Americans, I thought they accounted themselves. Well, Tyler Adams looks like a player who belongs in the premier league. Just the physical prowess, the the ability to cover so much ground. I thought he excelled. Brendan Aronson frustrated Andrew Robinson or Robertson. Excuse me. I'm awful with names today. Must be the T I had. uh And it's heated up for the Somerville finish. The one guy that I thought got off the hook. Who, if you're Jesse Marsh, you need to have a word with him. Patrick Bamford, he did not look, he still looks like a guy who's struggling for confidence. Before the goal, there was a pass that was played to him, and he was in 1v1 with a rushing, on rushing Allison, and just, the touch was woeful. And that's worrying. He had a thoughts.
1: Nigel Rio cooker touch right now <laughs> when he needed it most.
2: But overall, Jesse Marsh, Jesse Marsh is no stranger to accounting himself well at Anfield against Jurgen Klopp. He did it with Salzburg in the Champions League when he had to one Erling Holland, ironically, and Miyamoto, who went to Liverpool. So the fear factor of going in, I wonder if he was even more motivated to prove a point because it was at Anfield and against Jurgen Klopp in Liverpool.
3: Now, look, I don't want to take away from, from Jesse Marsh and, and the performance that he managed to get out of his Leeds players, you know, fantastic. And they absolutely needed that to help them turn around their form. But it is really, really difficult to escape this feeling that Liverpool just, they're not really getting better. We get these like deceptive results where we think, oh, you know, Liverpool are back, they're coming into their own and then this happens again. It's constantly sort of that one step forward, two steps back. Uh, and it's really, really difficult to shake the the feeling. And I know that we talk about it every time we do a podcast, uh, do a show together at the moment. But it really doesn't feel like it's quite right at Anfield and
1: under Jurgen Klopp right now. Well, the statistics don't lie. And Jurgen Klopp did make some comments after the game. And here was his comments. He said that the situation is we will work on solutions. It's no excuse, but we have the problem from the first day with injuries or half-fit players. It's It's no excuse, but it's about five excuses. Yeah. (laughs) It's a brutal season. Hold on, there's more. It's a brutal season for us because we have had injuries from the first day and some players we've had to rush back. Listen, I feel for them, but it goes back to what Nigel has been saying for such a long time. They have been pushing these players intensely for such a long period of time. There's only so long you can compete with that. And players sometimes eventually just get really pissed off and fed up with all the hard work and training. Because don't just think that they play like that in a game. No, no, no. Liverpool are training like that. Every single day. And I know that because I've got a former teammate of mine who actually played for Jurgen Klopp at Mainz. And he said every single day was just an absolute ball buster. You were just running through a brick wall for him every single day. And there's only so long you can do that. Um, but at the end of the day, they're in this position right now. I think it was the first defeat for uh, Virgil van Dijk at Anfield in his Liverpool career, which is a crazy statistic. Um, but I guess my question to you, and, and this might as well be our yes, no, or why... Can Liverpool finish top 4 this year? JJ, can't believe I'm asking this.
2: Oh, choose wisely.
1: Yes, they
3: can, but I don't think they will. I'm in a real I'm in a real conundrum. Why? I'll s- mm. I'll, sa- I'll say yes because at the end of the day they have the quality, but I'll say no because it seems Unlikely uh, that they will get out of this slump uh, without a real hard reset, and I think that only comes in the summer when they can have a more convincing transfer strategy than we saw from them last summer.
2: Mike, mm-hmm. JJ, I think you're still thinking about the, the the hope of Emery and Aston Villa on your mind with that answer. I'm going to go absolutely not. Liverpool at their best is a Liverpool team. That is good defensively. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna give up goals, you got to score way more goals than they're scoring right now. And the inconsistency factor, they're getting beat by the lower teams, and that's a worrying sign. Top four teams don't do that. Consistency and winning the games you should get you anywhere from fourth to about seventh or eighth. I, I think top ten is a good season for them, given how they're playing. I don't see top four.
1: SSB 28 says, I'm a Liverpool fan and I don't know how we get into the top six even. I wouldn't be surprised if we get seventh at this rate. I mean, it is pretty incredible. Omar said, Klopp reminded me of when he left Borussia Dortmund. And the last one says, Liverpool look mentally cooked. Listen, they can, JJ hit it right. They can get into the top four. They do have the quality. I am again concerned about the fact that the World Cup is around the corner. um, But at the same time, um, Liverpool have got a mountain to climb because there are so many teams right now who are in form, pushing to get into the top six that are going to be competing with the likes of Liverpool. So um, I think they miss out as well. Let's turn our attention to Brighton against Chelsea. That took place on Saturday. Uh, Trossard with an unbelievable performance for Brighton. But it was Graham Potter's return to Brighton. And uh, Mike, it was a, an interesting return for him because obviously going down pretty early on, two own goals, certainly didn't seem like it was Graham Potter potter's day and i don't want to take any shade away from the fact that this was a very good brighton performance
2: yeah the the crowd the stadium was into it it felt like that they had 12 or 13 players on the field chelsea slow start if you do it away from home this was always going to be an uphill battle for chelsea and Graham potter because the emotions the first real game where it was an emotional battle between he and his former team and just the brighton way I saw something different from them. They ran in behind, running off the line and running in behind for the first time in five games. In the last couple of games, it seemed more trying to play measured, balls to feet, not enough dynamic movement and diversifying it. I love the fact that Trossard played as a false nine. No Danny Welbeck, Trossard playing centrally. And Liverpool, he played centrally, got a hat trick. In this game, he was a star man. And last, the two Ecuadorians. They are going to be big money signings. Brighton is the launching pad for them. Caicedo, he he could be auditioning for Chelsea for all we know because he could step in that Chelsea team right now and be a factor.
3: But do some of these players necessarily want to do that? I mean, look at Kukurea at the moment. He's Hmm. swapped, you know, being a very important part of that Brighton setup to being sort of a peripheral figure at Chelsea at this moment in time. Uh, You know, and I think... The thing that really impressed me about this was, you know, you started to see Deserby taking a bit of flack in the build up to this game, Uh, you know, and then, you know, we got our answer about whether or not Brighton can adapt to his football and sort of push things on uh, in the post-Potter era, Uh, you know, and Brighton look... They still look a very, very good side. Uh, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to suffer too much uh, for Potter's loss. Yes, it's going to be slightly different. But, uh, you know, De has now shown that he has the potential sort of with some of those early results, uh, you know, to, to really move this Brighton side on at uh, at some point. And sure, I mean, I don't expect any Brighton fans to, to sort of uh, Brighton fans, Brighton players to turn down the lure of Chelsea at some point in the future if they do come knocking. But, um, you know, I think Brighton players will, you know, feel the, the value uh, of, of being a part of this project where everyone has a sp- a set specific uh, designated role, uh, you know, within the team, which is not the case for a lot of these Chelsea players at the moment, who, you know, sort of don't know where they stand, uh, you know, after the, the 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 quick fire managerial change after a summer of major transfer overhaul
1: as well. All right, quick couple of stats for you before we head to the rest of Europe. Brighton secured their first league victory over Chelsea at the 15th attempt of trying. This was their first time. The Seagulls have scored more than one goal in a league match against the Blues. And the other one is Chelsea conceded double the number of goals today, which was four, obviously, as they did in their first five league games under Graham Potter, uh, You can mention Pulisic before I get out of here, but Mike, I got a quick comment from you. I want yep. just a number. Chelsea have Arsenal and Newcastle in their last two league games left before they go to the World Cup. How many points do they get from those two games? Mm, one. One point from two, from those two?
2: One point from two.
1: Home, home or away,
2: home or away. JJ? Uh,
3: I think it'll be similarly low. I'm going to say two.
1: Two points as well. Wow, no, no So you send two draws basically for Graham Potter, not conceding yeah. many goals in that game. All right, let's get to the rest I of Europe. Be gra- I think he'll be grateful for that after this yeah, result. Yeah. <laughs> but he's done well though. They're not. A, they're not an easy team to score goals against. So to concede in the fashion that they did do against Brighton was a really unusual. And also they're difficult to beat right now. Chelsea. So that type of victory, I think the moment maybe just got the better of Chelsea. Maybe the decision making as well. I know you're desperate, Mike. Go on. Pulisic, just real quickly. No, well,
2: I, I just, you know, I'm a defender for US men's national team players, rightfully so. Very Anglo presence on this House of Champions show. But Christian Pulisic, I feel for him. You gotta give yourself a chance. That miss against Brighton was one nil, I believe. He puts that in. Totally different game. The pressure's off your back. You're back to Captain America. Those are the little moments as a player, and you know this, Ian. As a player, player got to take care of business when it presents itself because you never know when those chances are going to come back in a big match like that. That's all I'll say for the next show.
1: Unfortunately, Mike, I had a nosebleed every time I got anywhere near the penalty box, so it was unlikely <laughs> that I'd ever score a winning goal in a game. Uh, let's turn our attention to the rest of Europe real quickly. We'll have a quick whipper around because I know Austin and are starting against LAFC really soon. Uh, JJ will start off uh, Real Madrid 1-1 against Girona. I watched this game. Vinny Jr. got a goal. Uh, Tony Cruz got sent off for the first time in his career, but 1-1 against Girona. Disappointing.
3: Yeah, disappointing. Uh, you know, but I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, we've seen Ancelotti come out already and question some of the refereeing. Uh, I'm not too worried for Real, regardless of the result. Uh, you know, it was kind of mind blowing. Uh, you know, Tony Costa getting his first red card in what, 740 senior matches uh, for club and country. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, strange, strange times. Uh, and <laughs> if we have more time on the show, I, I delve into sort of a bit of a devious a uh, bonus question for you guys, as ex professionals, but we can uh, we can leave that by the by for, uh, for for next time or for the after dark show. But no, I think um, you know Real at the end of the day can can survive this sort of you know hiccup. It's not certainly not as disastrous as it is for their crosstown rivals, Atleti.
2: Yeah, I think it's a, it's really big that Vinicius Jr. continues to get better and better and, and continues to score goals for Madrid. On the back end, if you leave teams hanging around, Madrid had 19 shots in this game, I believe just under 10 shots on target. This is one of those games that if you leave teams in any league, in a top league around, they're going to get one clean look. In La Liga, every team has a potent enough attacker or striker. Christian Stuani, this guy is Girona. Tati Castellano, who you know very well, Ian, is the main man. But Stuani comes off the bench and within a few minutes gets the tying goal. I think Real Madrid might just want to make it more competitive for Barcelona to have the next El Clasico match be meaningful. But I'm not worried, like you said, JJ, about this Madrid team. Didn't have Benzema, and they're still top of La Liga.
1: Yeah, there's some comments coming in here saying that the referee was uh, a little bit wild in this game. SSB28 says La Liga is looking tight right now. And one of the reasons it's looking tight at the top of the table is because Lewandowski scored a 94th-minute winner, 13 goals in 12 La Liga games, 18 across all competitions. Barcelona, JJ, have 10 clean sheets from the 12 games they've played in the Liga. Defensively, pretty good. But Lewandowski, last-minute winner to keep them one point right behind Real Madrid.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Barca domestically are a different beast to what we're seeing from them in Europe at the moment. Perhaps the Champions League was too big a step up too soon for, you know, that gaggle of talent that's been arranged since the summer. Um, But obviously, we know that time is of the essence for Barca to get it right. And domestically speaking, they're not getting it wrong uh, under Xavi at this moment in time. You know, they are still grinding out the results. At that level, you know you can still rely on Lewandowski and his brilliance to get you the goals that he was getting for Bayern. But when you're at, you know that that step or two up, depending on who you're playing in La Liga, uh, you know the Champions League is is a much different challenge. As we saw, uh, you know with Barca really getting a hiding in their in their group. But it's good to see La Liga, you know, with uh, you know the the classic rivals Real and Barca, you know, going toe to toe at the top of the league at the moment. But just look at the way that Atleti are really falling away. That is already. Quite a big chasm between uh, Atleti and and Barca in second place, eight points.
2: Yeah, Lewandowski is showing why he is, if not the best, one of the two best. Because dream the dream Benzema one blown door, and right now he's the undisputed best number nine, best player in the world. But Robert Lewandowski, this guy just is—he is Barcelona. Without him, they would be in massive, massive trouble. He's—he's he's just redefining. Age, I think he's what's he 34 and he's still playing like he's 21 the goal yep. he scored acrobatic finish his instincts he's playing at a different frequency and wavelength from the rest of his Barcelona teammates and the, Some of the players around him need to get on his page on his level for Barcelona to really thrive and arrive in the season As long as he keeps this form up, they will stay within just touching distance of Madrid And I hope so, because that's going to make the next El Clasico matchup possibly a title decider.
1: He is 34 years old, and he loves those last-minute winning goals. Also, I'm amazed at how flexible he is. Just a, mm. a complete goal scorer. Should have won Ballon d'Or, no doubt about it. Uh, obviously, that 2020 season was um, a bit of a, a pain in the ass, not seeing him lift that trophy. Uh, let's laugh at producer Des now. His team, Atletico <laughs> Madrid, uh, they lost uh, by three goals to two against Cadiz at the weekend. Uh, jean Felix scored a couple of goals in that game. Atletico could have won it at the end, but in the end, I mean, I'm talking like, what, 90 seventh minute or 95th minute, something 98, ridiculous, 98, 98. 98th minute. It's unbelievable. They concede that losing goal to to completely lose a game, three goals to two. Um, But now, I mean, we've, we're always questioning Simeone. I mean, I guess the question is more than anything else is what's wrong? at Atletico Madrid right
2: now, Mike, uh, they don't look like a team. They look like a team who they're over it. And our producer, Des Norris, had said it time and time again. Has the project passed Simeone by or Simeone just over it? When I look at this team, you have Jao Felix, Anton Griezmann on the bench. These are players that only a couple of years ago were world-class talent. Jao Felix showing that quality. He comes in and the team looks more dynamic. Two well-taken goals. The second one, a peach of a finish. But the biggest problem with Simeone and that stubbornness of how he wants to play, this back three system, Axel Witzel playing as the third center back in the middle. They got exposed. All three goals coming, Axel Vitzel right there. Missed time a jump on the third one, and you're not going to do yourself any favors if you don't want to qualify for Champions League. Axel Witzel plays as a defensive midfielder for Belgium, played there for Borussia Dortmund. If he can do it there, he can sure as hell do it for Atletico Madrid. I think that is a source of their problems this season, amongst many other things.
3: Yeah, I mean I think now we're not we're not really into sort of the territory where we're discussing, you know, are Atleti's players good enough uh, you know to sort of be considered one of the top teams in the league or in competitive in the Champions League. I think what we're really digging into is this malaise that that has really uh, you know overcome, overpowered Atleti over the last sort of 3 to 5 years because you know when we talk to Des about it sort of on and off the uh, off of the live feed it's something that has uh, has been obvious now for quite some time. It's not like this is something new. You know, even on last year's pods, we were discussing how, you know, this athletic side were just so underwhelming that, you know, playing really unimaginative football uh, and just not tapping into the talent that they have. And I think Simeone, I mean, in many ways, he is a great fit for the club in terms of identity, but, you know, that kind of identity now has almost like, uh, you know, completely consumed the team and all of those players and the players that he has available to him are capable of playing a better quality of football than that that he preaches. Uh, And I think that style of football has actually probably been passed by in continental terms and domestic terms so it is now in my opinion up to Simeone to reinvent himself otherwise he risks either being consigned to international management uh, or just being uh, forgotten completely because of his salary you know he risks potentially being priced out of getting back into management because at the end of the day who is going to want you know to, to buy into this style of football at this moment in time regardless of you know the, the good relations he has with the likes of Inter and you know People remember him from his time in Serie A. You know, who is going to want to pay him
1: an absolute fortune to produce this kind of tripe? JJ, I think uh, great minds think alike. SSB28 says, these defensive pragmatic managers are kind of getting phased out of football. Simeone, Allegri, Tucho, Conte struggling in the Champions League, struggling also domestically, many of them as well. Omar says, imagine not having a set starting 11. Uh, The team changes nearly every year. And then also another comment coming in, I think Simeone has taken Atletico as far as he could. He's turning into a villain now, which is a fantastic and an important point. There comes that time, that period of time where, as you said, JJ, you have this passion, you, you, you're you perfect fit for the club, the results are coming, and then it fizzles out. And it's very difficult to get that back again, unless you're rotating the team and then finding a team that works and making sure you're spending a whole chunk of money in doing so, at this day and age, they're not doing enough. They're not spending enough. They don't have chemistry. Players look like they're fed up. Atleti, of course, um, are are incredibly disappointing right now to watch. And there's no doubt about it. Producer Dez needs to have a microphone at some point. So if everybody out there thinks Producer Dez should have a microphone so he can join in these discussions, because when we take the piss out of his Atletico team, um, (laughs) our our private group chat starts to go a little bit crazy. But at the end of the day, day, Atleti, the the question will be in, in this La Liga campaign. Can they finish in the top four? Can they get themselves into the Champions League, JJ? Uh, I'm
3: going to say no this time. Uh, I was optimistic Ooh. about Liverpool. I'm going to be pessimistic uh, about Atleti. Why? Because I really want Real Betis in that.
1: Yeah. like, <laughs> <Mike. laughs>
2: I think their top four hopes is going to be down to if Sevilla or Villarreal, one of those two teams, ever figure it out. If they decide that they want top four, then Atleti bloody is there for the taking. If Sevilla in particular stick in this up-down nature, love the Betty shout. I'm on board with you on that. But uh is a team that I think thrives on being the underdog. And that was the the stall and the mantle that Simeone kind of built this. It was like, we are the, the, the team that's going to come and knock other teams off their perch. Well, you win La Liga a few times. Now there's expectation for you to deliver something. You're no longer the underdog. You're one of the big fish. And, You know, the the whole bravado doesn't seem to match anymore. And for that, I don't think top four.
1: We're going to whip through the rest of Europe right now. We'll touch on Serie A before we go anywhere else. Napoli with a convincing victory. Four goals to nil against Sassuolo yesterday. Awesome in with a hat trick. Kvara once again on the score sheet having an unbelievable campaign. Napoli undefeated across all competitions. Juve, they got a 1-0 victory thanks to Fagioli's winning goal. Stunning strike into the top corner. Absolute class from the youngster. Great to see Juve giving kids an opportunity to play football. I love to see it. And Inter Milan yesterday got a victory. De Frey, Barella and Correa on the score sheet so convincing wins yesterday however today michael LaHood oh, no. you put the kiss of death on lazio because not only did they concede the equalizing goal while we were talking they've just lost the game by 3 goals to oh. 1
2: are you kidding me Um I did, the, yourself. I did the same thing to om my new favorite team jj just because you <laughs> took the piss earlier so i'm going to put the fork in that uh, did, I, did I say the piss or did I just like state some home
3: truths, some facts? I mean, you were crying in the group chat the other day when I told you Wesley Fofana's story about how he slipped through Marseille's Youth Academy fingers. I mean, you know, there's only so much I can do and I like positively influence you. Know you. I, I, and, you I... and you chose pain.
2: <laughs> Willing, willingly. Well, according, according to our producer, Des Norris, I chose violence with that yes. ke- Kevin Gamero goal. So, yeah, that's All on right. me. Let's get into it. We're going to
1: skip over, Sarah, all together. Let's go to league. Ugh, because JJ's here. PSG won by four goals to three. Messi, Neymar, Mbappe all on the score sheet. Top of the league. Strasbourg, two. Marseille, two. Kevin Guerrero as JJ mentioned at the top of the show, with a 90th-minute equalizer and a stunning strike, by the way. Just... You're just so used to seeing him produce these quality goals at the end of the day, um, but I guess the question above all, JJ, we'll, we'll talk obviously what's happening in, in league 1, but I guess the question at the end of the day would be more so to Michael LaHood to explain himself as to why <laughs> he's choosing to go for Olympic Marseille.
2: You know, so it all started the recent trip to to France and doing the the Tour de France that we did, having dinner with Jonathan Johnson and and JJ connected me with one of his friends, Mo. And through just connecting, 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 got connected to an Olympic Marseille match. And I think it was just the fandom, the experience, how much that that that, that team means to that city. And uh, just the team of, of the community and just the vibrance of it and the Stad Velodrome. Oh, man. The football side of things, eh, well, can choose wisely. It's still coming. Igor Tudor, uh, JJ and I have gone back and forth. A manager that could be on the hot seat given the, the recent form that they're in. The but thing is, it's not I love it's the the like I love not, the to like, play there, you know? It's, it's just... not
3: like Lens play bad football, though. I put you in front of like the ideal match, like yeah, the, the team that's playing above itself to like try and rival PSG for the <laughs> title. Know, man, they get the, a win away at Marseille.
2: Marseille and, you know, you're watching this,
3: this crappy Marseille team throw away their title chances and still uh, professing total fandom for them. No, I'm, I think, them I'm, think wind, I'm the winding county, you up to a point.
1: Hospital I think talent. what he's saying here, uh, JJ, I think what Mike is saying here is that he can be bought. If you wine and dine <laughs> him, he can absolutely be bought. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> JJ, you know talk about
3: France. Yeah, but the, the thing that I would that I would say sort of in response to that is it's actually refreshing that you can't be bought. So, you know, obviously it, it would be easy to take people to a PSG game, be very impressed by what you see there. But if you watch PSG's game this weekend, you'd have actually come away impressed by Trois. I thought yep. they were really, really good going to Parc des Princes, scoring three goals, coming away with nothing. That is very, very harsh on them. I thought they deserved at mm. least a point. Yes, you have the brilliance of Messi, uh, you know, to bail them out, Neymar as well. But uh, you know, Troyes gave a much better account of themselves than you'd expect. Uh, you know, and I think as well, you know, Marseille's struggles in recent weeks to sort of balance domestic and continental duty. Uh, you know, that just shows how competitive this league can be as well. Because we're looking at Strasbourg, thinking, oh, you know, Marseille are dropping points against a relegation battler, but this is the same Strasbourg side that very nearly got themselves into yeah. Europe last season as well. That's how sort of fine the margins are this season in Ligue 1. And I think when you look at the table at this moment in time, it's really great viewing. I mean, Silence up there within five points of PSG doing what they're doing this season. Phenomenal. Rennes as well, uh, you know, giving a really good account of themselves. And then some really surprise names sort of, you know, in that top half of the table, teams like Clermont, uh, obviously Lorient as well. I know they lost against Nice this weekend, but, uh, you know, to to have them ahead of teams like Monaco Lille Lyon Nice uh, you know that is really encouraging for for the competitive
1: uh, edge of uh, of liga yeah, SSP28 says PSG is fancy, glamour and all that stuff, but Marseille is that grip from the mud type of a club. Yes. Uh, I will say this though, Michael, um, there's a little bit of a fan allegiance and I'm you know, obviously mm. just going to say this between St. Pauli and Marseille fans. They have Ooh. a little connection going. I always see a St. Pauli flag at those Marseille games, so I'm not going to say that's my French club. It's not. St. Etienne would probably be my French club, JJ. I'm not sure if you're uh, uh, knowledgeable of that or not, but I do like a bit of St. Etienne um, and I do love a bit oh, of please, French football Please, please, I mean they they are a real true History, uh, you yeah. know French footballing uh royalty,
3: so to speak. Not their best period at this moment in time. Really hope they can get themselves out of Ligue 2. doesn't look like it's going to happen this season, unfortunately. But there's just so many great stories, uh, you know, in French football at this moment in time. You know, you've got some big names really, really struggling. Nancy and Saint-Étienne both going out of the Mm. Coupe de France this weekend way earlier than expected. Uh, You know, but you also have some, you know, unexpected uh, success stories as well. Lance, I mentioned earlier. And then you've got, you know, you look down in Ligue 2, Bordeaux trying to get themselves back to the big time immediately. So
1: it's always, it never fails to deliver France.
3: That's what I would say.
1: I tell you what, I'm looking forward to the after-hour show when we're on the road in the lower leagues of French football getting stuck into a few glasses of wine. We've lost Nigel Rio Coker. Anybody seen Rio Coker? He's somewhere around the streets here. Somewhere in the deep, dark French Uh. streets. Uh, Great stuff. Great stuff as always. I'm going to rattle through the Bundesliga real quickly. Bayern Munich with a 6-2 win over Mainz. Six different goal scores on the score sheet. Phenomenal. Bayern were top of the league until Union Berlin scored a last-minute winner against Gladbach. Yes, that's right. Deuze scored in the 97th minute to remain top of the Bundesliga. Incredible to see. That was his first goal from the club. and Gunko and Werner were on the score sheet for Leipzig over Leverkusen an emphatic victory. and comfortable. Xavi Alonso is struggling to get winning ways happening once again for Leverkusen. Leipzig are flying high after the victory over Real Madrid. They followed it up with another three points domestically. And Frankfurt went down by two goals to one against Borussia Dortmund. At home to Dortmund, Jude Bellingham, once again on the score sheet, the 19-year-old ninth across all competitions. Man of the match performance from him once again. And Bundesliga is a wrap. So is House of Jam, Champions for this week, guys. Thank you so much as always. uh Before we get out of here, Michael Lahood, quick prediction on the uh, MLS Cup games. Who's in the final? Don't give me a score of the two Ooh. finals. Who's going to be an MLS Cup?
2: Well, okay. Number one, Austin FC. They're going to make it three in a row against LAFC. Not doubting that. JJ on smiling. the east. Ah, oh, JJ, don't open your mouth right now. <laughs> on the east side of things, that's going to be a tough one. I think. It, I think. It, I see penalty kicks. And I think Philadelphia claim revenge to beat NYCFC. Had to say it. Had to say Did, it. So Austin, nice Philadelphia. Place in
1: penalties. Go JJ. What do you think? I mean, do you do you uh, even care? No, I mean I do. I do find it
3: interesting. Uh, you know, I do like to, to to keep an eye on it. I, you know, obviously I don't know as much as uh, as you guys, but uh, I don't know. I'll I'll I'll, I'll poke the bear uh, and say that uh, Austin don't make it. Sorry, Mike. <laughs>
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ah, our producer, Des Doris, did remind me, though. I've been yes. really, really bad with the kiss of death. So, oof.
1: Yeah, so that means that New York will go on to MLS Cup. Thanks very much, <laughs> Producer Dez, for reminding us. Thanks to you boys as well for a great show, for all your work over the last week as well. Champions League coming up next week. It's Match Day 6. We'll have Fabrizio Romano on Monday. We've got some interesting, some crazy shows coming up post-Champions League games. We'll have a preview of the Champions League action on Monday at 10 o'clock Eastern as well, so make sure you tune in for that one. Uh, Fabrizio Romano has been moved a little bit ahead. It's going to be 8.30 a.m. Eastern, so if you're interested in watching Fabrizio every single Monday, you can watch it at 8.30 a.m. this week. normally it's on a 9 a.m. Eastern call time as well. Uh, we appreciate everyone out there for tuning in. So many comments. We appreciate the love, the the follows that we get from you guys. Continue to tell your friends, spread the word. The show is growing very quickly indeed. And we know who the diehard fans are because you're in here every single week, sharing your comments, sharing your thoughts. We appreciate you so much. Uh, thanks to everybody out there who's been listening to House of Champions. Also, take a minute to leave us a rating on a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. We're also available available as video unfortunately for Nigel Real Coker but make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube the YouTube channel is growing rapidly so make sure you're a part of all the action JJ Mike all the best to you in the final JJ love to you over there in Paris fun we good night everybody out there thanks for tuning in